Hello, everyone. I want to say thank you for joining us today and being a part of First Methodist Church's online campus. If we have never met before, my name is Charlie, and I'm blessed to be the Amarillo Campus Pastor. Well, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and I want to start our conversation today by reading the main scripture for the sermon, which is found in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. And it says this, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. Let me say that again. And he shall be the one of peace. If the Assyrians come into our land and tread upon our soil, we will rise against them seven shepherds and eight installed rulers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Again, I'm, I'm so glad that you decided to join us and be a part of our Amarillo campus this morning because today I hope to answer for us an incredibly important question. Uh, it's important for everybody, but I think it's especially important for us as Christians. Today I want to answer the question, where does peace come from? I think it's safe to say that all of us want peace, but I also think it's safe to say that many of us do not have peace. And unfortunately, our lack of peace is made incredibly clear during the holiday seasons. That's sad to say, but unfortunately, it's true. Maybe, maybe we don't have peace because we really don't know what peace looks like. We don't know what peace is. And if you don't, if you don't know what something is or what it looks like, how could you ever hope to find it? So to, to answer our question for today, I want to start by eliminating what peace is not. And so to do that, I, I want to go back to our text for this morning found in Micah. Our text for today is a, is a prophecy. It's a prophecy delivered from the prophet Micah about the coming Messiah. And that word Messiah means anointed one. And this, this, this prophecy that Micah gives to the people of Israel it ends in a, in a very powerful way with, with proclamations about greatness and peace and, and kingdoms that, that never end. But, but this text actually begins in a really unusual way. The first sentence of our text says this, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule Israel whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Epiphlath was actually an, an older settlement that was eventually absorbed into the, to the city of Bethlehem. And, and what I find interesting is that though Bethlehem was the hometown of the well-known and famous King David, and it was actually the future birthplace of the Messiah, the, the Savior who was to bring peace, According to our text, according to Micah, this, this town called Bethlehem was really 
best known for being seemingly insignificant, being this small, out-of-the-way place in, in the tiniest tribe of Judah, the birthplace of the Prince of Peace, the birth of the Savior of the world took place in what is best known as a small, almost unnoticeable town. So this tells me that, that peace doesn't come from our standing. It tells me that, that you could be in the highest place of power and influence and not know peace. Or you could be seemingly small and insignificant and almost unnoticeable, but have much peace. I've also learned over the years that, that peace does not come from circumstances. Many years ago, my wife, Christine, and I, we had the opportunity uh, to be a part of a team that, that moved to Oklahoma to help plant a church. We moved and, and tried to plant a church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and loved it. It was a great experience, but uh, about an hour away from Broken Arrow is a town called Gore, and right next to Gore, Oklahoma, is the Lower Illinois River, which was perfect for me because I love to fish, but I especially love to fly fish. So many weekends when I had a day off, I would drive up to Gore's just an hour away and, and I would spend the day by myself fishing the lower Illinois River. Well, one day, uh, unbeknownst to me, the, the dam that was upriver from where I was fishing had an unscheduled release of water. It, it produced electricity for the area and they had an unscheduled release of water. And, the, the water level of the river quickly rose. And so as, as best I could and as quickly as I could, I, I got out of the, the river. Unfortunately, I got out of the river on the wrong side of the river. I was on the wrong bank and, and I was in a terrible situation because I couldn't even call anyone because earlier that day, maybe this is speaking to my pride, uh, earlier that day I had taken my iPhone out and I was taking a picture of a fish that I caught and as I went to put it back into my fly fishing vest, it caught on the side and dropped into the river and drowned. So here I am, wrong side of the river, river water is high and, and flowing quickly and I have no phone, no means of, of getting help or assistance. So then I had a great idea. I decided the best plan for me would be to, to take off all the gear that, I, that might weigh me down or would be damaged by the water. And I, I took off my waders. I took all that gear and I put it in my waders. Uh, I tied the waders up with a, with a section of fly line. And then I decided I was going to swim across the river. What began as a great idea almost ended in tragedy because I had underestimated the, the strength and the flow of the river. And I also did not see the, the trees that were hidden below the water. And so once I entered the river, I quickly was pulled under and was tumbled under some tree branches and some trees. And as you can imagine, I came up in a full panic. I was by myself. I was in a full panic and I was just reaching and grabbing for whatever I could because I was, I was fearful that I was drowning. And praise the Lord that I had accidentally trapped some air in my waders. When I pushed all that gear in and I tied it off with the fly line, I had trapped some air in those waders. And so when I pulled everything to me, those waders came to me and they had air in them and they served as a almost like a modified life preserver. And because of that life preserver, I was able to get to the, to the other side of the river safely. 
So here I was, I had survived a near drowning experience by myself. I was on the other side of the river. Everything had gone right. I had survived, but I can guarantee you, I did not have peace. <laughs> Even when things go right, we can still not have peace. There are other, several other places and several other things and that, that peace does not come from. And so I want to highlight those just for a moment. Just I want you to think about these things. A lot of times we, we lean on these things for peace or we seek these things out because we want peace. Peace does not come from a big, healthy bank account. I don't know about you, but it's been my experience that the more money I have, the, the more more fear I have and the less peace I have because I've got to maintain it and protect it and spend it well. Another one that, that's sad to, to say is that getting married or getting divorced won't guarantee peace. We're going to understand this more later, but uh, those outward circumstances and those situations won't guarantee peace uh, one way or another. Gaining knowledge and having all the answers, being able to have everything figured out, which is impossible, by the way, will also not establish peace in your life. See, peace doesn't come from standings. It doesn't come from circumstances. It doesn't come from resources. And it doesn't come from places. So where does peace come from? That's the question we're trying to answer today. Well, I want to make the case that peace comes from a person. Peace comes from a person. Micah 5 tells us that from the small town of Bethlehem, one will be born who is from the days of old. Somebody who, who existed into the, into the past is going to be born. He will stand and he will flee, feed his flock or he will feed his people in the strength and the majesty of the Lord. This one that's born in Bethlehem will provide security and greatness that will never end. And this is the part I want you to pay attention to. The same person, the same anointed one, the same Messiah is described as he shall be the one of peace. This great one born in Bethlehem, who we will later find out is Jesus, will be peace. Now I want you to notice there that it doesn't say that this great one will be born without conflict. That's not the case. You can definitely still have peace in the midst of conflict. Jesus had tons of conflict while he was on this earth. You don't get put on trial for death because you were nice and agreeable all the time. You don't get crucified because you never ever confronted anybody about how they were acting or over what they believed. Peace comes from a person. I want you to hear that today. And that person is Jesus. So now that we know that, that, that peace comes from a person, I want us to talk about what peace actually is. What, did, what is it that this person of peace, this, this Jesus, what is he, what is he going to give us? What is, it, what is that experience going to be and, and look like? Well, that text tells us that he shall be the one of peace. Well, the Hebrew word that we translated as peace in English is actually the word Shalom. And shalom means wholeness. It means well-being. It's describing the ideal human state. It's, it's this, this idea of shalom is both individually, it's experienced individually, but it's also descriptive of something that we experience communally. 
And ultimately, this idea of shalom that, that you, when you explore the Old Testament and the New Testament, that word shalom is really communicated as the ultimate gift from God. But something else about peace, peace is a gift. Peace isn't something that you can earn. Peace isn't something that you deserve. Peace isn't something based on what's going on around you, how you've orchestrated all these things going on around you. Peace is something that is given to us by God, who is the Prince of Peace. Thirdly, and and this one's, I think, really important for us to understand. Peace is relational. It's relational. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 gives us this this beautiful description of Jesus, who is our Prince of Peace. It says this, he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or, or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. See, if you're listening today, I want want to make something really clear. Peace is unavoidably relational. Peace can only really exist between people or exist between people and God. Now, maybe you're sitting there in your pajamas and you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. That's all well and good. Peace between people. Peace between people and God. But what about my individual peace? What about my peace of mind or or my, my internal peace? What about that? Well, let me remind you. I think that's a great question, but let me remind you that peace is a person, Jesus. Peace is a gift from God. And so therefore, if you hope to have peace, even if it's just peace with yourself, peace with your your own uh, mind and situation and circumstances, God will have to be involved because he is the one who gives peace. He is the one that is peace. I love this quote by Thomas Melton. He says this. He says, we cannot be at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. So we can't have peace with ourselves unless we've gained peace with the one who is peace, the the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ himself. The fourth thing I want us to know about peace is that peace has a price. Peace has a price. Isaiah 32, 17 tells us this, the effect of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be peace. The price of peace is righteousness or rightness before God. Unfortunately, 
history and, and your experience and my experience, uh, they really do a good job of confirming that humankind cannot achieve righteousness on our own. We're just, we just can't do it. We're just not good at it. We are, it is impossible for us to, to live in perfect rightness before a perfect and holy God. But praise God. That's what, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're celebrating through this season of Advent that God our Father refused to leave us in that state of unrighteousness. I want to remind you again of what is said in, in Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I just share with you today that the price of peace was the life of the Prince of Peace. See, God was so concerned that you would have peace that he was willing to allow his son, the Prince of Peace, to, to suffer and die so that rightness, that righteousness might be restored to you and peace might exist between you and other people and peace might exist between you and God. See, that's the gospel. The gospel or the good news is that Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem, who lived here on this earth and, and walked among us and yet was sinless and without fault, was despised. He lived a perfect life, but he was despised by the people who should have loved him, should have served him. And then to add insult to injury, those that Jesus called those who walked closely, the closest with him, at his, at his most desperate time, they denied him and they betrayed him and they fled and hid. So this Jesus, the innocent Prince of Peace, was tried, convicted, and murdered on the cross at Calvary. Praise God. But that's not where he remained. Three days later, Jesus was resurrected to life and power and glory. I love how John in Revelation prophetically shares uh, the words that, of Jesus, actually. He prophetically shares the words of Jesus on what Jesus accomplished through his life, his crucifixion and his resurrection. This is found in Revelation chapter one, verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. These are the words of Jesus. Listen to this. Do not be afraid. Can we stop there for a moment? You might be watching this and thinking how terrible Christmas day is going to be. How there's going to be conflict at the dinner table or, um, your kids are going to be disappointed in what you bought them for Christmas. Or that 
you're not known, you're not noticed, you're not loved. Would you just, if you're feeling those things, would you just receive these words of Jesus? Do not be afraid. Jesus goes on to say, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Our God is alive. He is the living one. Jesus says, I was dead and see, I am alive forever and ever. And listen to this part. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is saying, yes, I died, but I through the power of God, was resurrected to life. And because of that resurrection and because of my perfect life, I now lay claim and have hold of death and hell itself. That ought to cause somebody to say peace and amen. Peace and amen. That ought to give all of us peace. Jesus is alive and he has authority and he has conquered death. See, Christmas is not just a, a celebration that Jesus was born. That's a, that's a part of it, but it's not just a celebration that Jesus was born. It's also a celebration that we can now have peace because of Jesus Christ's life and sacrifice and resurrection. We can have peace with our, with our mistakes. We can have peace with our brokenness. We can have peace with those that we've wounded. We can have peace with God who we've rebelled against. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you desire that kind of peace, if you know that that kind of peace is missing in your life, I just want to encourage you to just reach out to me. I would love to talk to you and just share with you how you might receive the kind of peace that, that God is offering. It's not anything that I can do. All I can do is help connect you with, with Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. So if that's you, I want you to either email us at communications at firstmethodist.church or you can also message us through all of our various social media uh, options. But I please, if you don't have that peace and you desire that peace, would you contact me? Would you reach out to me? I want to hear from you and talk with you. So Christmas is a, is a time of celebration, both that Jesus was born, but also that his, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection might provide peace. It does provide peace. For us. So, so many of us want peace. Probably all of us want peace. But many of us never find peace. And we never find it because peace isn't something that you can just find. It's not something that you're going to just stumble over. Peace doesn't come from the external. It doesn't come from what you own or what you've sold or who you're around or what situations you can control. It's not something that you can force. Peace is something that comes internally. Peace comes from allowing Jesus Christ to rule your heart and trusting Jesus Christ to rule the world. It's trusting the one who has conquered death and has authority over hell itself to live and, and, and guide your life and trusting that that same Savior, that same Prince of Peace, that same conquering King is going to rule this world as well. Let me remind you what 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says. It says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus 
your Prince of Peace desires to sanctify you, to purify you entirely and remove all things, all obstacles that might prevent you from receiving the peace that he gave his life for. So allow me today to ask you a question, a few questions, to be honest. Do you have peace? Don't, don't rush past that question. Do you have peace? You have this inner confidence of, of who you are and who God says you are, despite what's happening around you or despite what you're thinking or feeling. Does the Prince of Peace rule and reign in your heart? Do you trust Jesus to bring about peace in this chaotic world, in, in your chaotic world? Think about those questions. And as you think about those questions, I want to give you a next step. And, and I, don't, I, I encourage you not to postpone this and say, I'll do it later. Stay right here in this moment with me. Because what, I, what I'm going to ask our communications team to do is, is take a video, and, and a YouTube video, and, and post the link to it in the comments below, or it'll somehow be linked through our, our, our website. And I just want you to si just silently sit there before your computer and listen to the words of this song. And as you do, really ask yourself that question, do I have peace? Do I trust Jesus? to bring about peace in my heart? Do I trust Jesus to bring about peace in the chaotic world around me? And if you do, worship him. But if you don't, I want to invite you to pray to the Prince of Peace, pray to Jesus and ask Jesus what needs to be done so that you can receive the gift of peace that he offers to you. My prayer is that all of us who are, who are watching uh, this, this service, who are part of our, our online campus, would not leave today without that good gift of peace that Jesus paid the price for so that he could give it to you. Receive his peace today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.